Welcome to the Strategic Scaling Podcast, where you'll get an inside look into how executives and business owners have scaled their companies to increase the value of the business and ultimately sell for a higher multiple. Hi, I'm Shelley Howlett with Strategic Scaling. And on today's show, I'm going to be interviewing Harry Schmidt. He's the Director of Business Strategies for O'Shea Builders. They do commercial contracting and they're a company in the middle market marina. Um, what I wanted to say about Harry and what he's done at the company is that it sounds very unique to me. Um, I had interviewed hundreds of different CEOs, COOs, and chief strategy officers from around the country. And it became apparent to me that he really had a great team. He had great structure in place to make it happen. So I wanted to hear more about that from Harry and um, find out what he's doing at O'Shea Builders. Harry, how are you doing today? Hi, Shelley. Uh, I'm great, and thank you for inviting me to your uh, webcast. You're welcome. You're welcome. Well, where is the company located, first of all? Well, O'Shea Builders is a uh, family-owned company. We're in Springfield, Illinois. Um, so we are right dead in the middle of uh, the state of Illinois. And uh, like you mentioned, uh, I would probably say we're a mid-market company. Our annual revenues are somewhere in the ballpark of uh, 225 to 230 million dollars. I think we were somewhere around uh, you know number you know 400 or so on uh, ENR's uh, top 400 uh, contractors in the U.S. Very, very impressive, incredible, incredible. So how long have you been in your role as director of business strategies? I've been here with O'Shea for about three and a half years. Uh, so my background uh, previous to that, I was with uh, a local health system, uh, worked in facilities management and managed the uh, design and construction for the system. And then I was the uh, CEO of one of the hospitals in that system for about three years as well. So I've got uh, somewhat of a diverse background uh, that kind of leads me into the, the strategy role. So uh, uniquely suited for it, I think. Right, right. What an interesting combination. I was really impressed. Um, so just to kind of get into more uh, questions, uh, your geographic area, you said, is uh, between about Quincy, Illinois and Champaign, Illinois. Mm -hmm. And with the long track record of the company and the success and systems you guys have um, incorporated. Um, you just seem to stick with your niche there geographically. Talk about that for a second. Yeah, we we have a different approach um, to to the work um, as a, you know, you know, typically you think of uh, a builder as a general contractor, but we're also a construction manager. And uh, we're owned by a fourth generation of the family. So uh, the company's been around for about 120 years. Uh, we've got the fifth generation that's working in the company right now as well. And uh, like you mentioned, uh, started in Springfield, Illinois, uh, but we currently have offices in Decatur. Uh, we have an office in Champaign. We also have an office in Peoria. And then uh, we typically bound ourselves, you know, with our work area somewhere between I-70 and I-80 um, in, you know, north-south. Uh, so we don't play down in the Metro East St. Louis, uh, Louis area. We don't play up in Chicago. Uh, so we kind of have this uh, central Illinois boundary uh, that we try to stay within. So uh, we typically do not travel, uh, you know, meaning we don't chase work outside of the state. 
Um, so we've found, you know, this niche and we continue to serve the industry here. And uh, a lot of our accounts that we serve are based on relationships, uh, longstanding relationships. And uh, our owners have, have had a, you know, really unique approach that, um, you know, if we focus on the community and we focus on the, the rising tide uh, typically floats all boats, um, then we, uh, you know, build relationships and then we uh, typically help each other out. So um, it's, uh, yeah, typically a different approach to, to work than, uh, you know, the, the hard bid chasing work all over uh, the place that you see a lot of other general contractors and construction managers that they, uh, the, the approach that they take. Right, right. I imagine that's a tough game, definitely. So the other question I have is about your customer focus, because, mm -hmm. you know, again, you could be all over the map with different types of clients, but uh, talk to me about that niche. Well, like I mentioned is, um, you know, one of the things that we, we approach is, um, you know, there's our core business, which is, you know, construction management or as a general contractor, but um, our, our current uh, owner uh, wholeheartedly believes in leadership training, and um, we put on uh, a number of uh, leadership programs for the community. Uh, we have a, a program called Emerging Leaders, uh, where we invite uh, approximately 40 leaders, um, you know, that are nominated by different other businesses in the community here. And uh, it is a 26-week program. Uh, I think we're on our eighth cohort now. So we've been doing this for about 10 years. And uh, we bring these younger emerging leaders in and we you know, basically integrate them with some of our young leaders. And uh, we talk about leadership in general. We, we you know, have different conversations, but we also build relationships. So as these individuals continue to work through their companies, or even if they just work with different companies within the community, We've built those relationships and they've got networks that they can continue to fall back on. And, uh, you know, they've got a peer group now uh, that they can continue to work with. And it's something that's really unique. And, you know, I, you probably don't hear of many companies that do that where we invite, you know, other people into our company. We train them. You know, we provide some uh, awareness in uh, they're progressing together through their career. And again, we build those relationships with others within the community. Uh, we also host uh, a number of uh, Bible studies in the company that we uh, invite C-suite leaders um, from around the community as well. Um, so, you know, we think about, you know, not only your your business growth and your leadership growth, but uh, also spiritual growth as well. And our our uh, our current owner is, um, you know, he's a godly man and he, he leads with that. And, um, you know, it's really uh, humbling to be a part of an organization uh, the things well outside of the boundaries of your typical business relationships. Right. It sounds like you're making a really big long-term impact on the community that's more legacy than it is the typical transactional uh, approach to many other companies, I imagine, in, in your same industry. It, yeah. You know, a lot of times you think about construction as being very transactional, right? It's a, it's a one and done uh, type of engagement with with people, and we don't think of it that way. You know, we we may spend um, literally years helping a customer develop um, what is the idea that's going to meet their business need. As we continue to uh, you know create different options or opportunities for them to to accomplish their goals, um, just like you mentioned, because you know if the community succeeds, then we all succeed. Yeah, that's just really great. That's so cool. So um, I know you have a big 
focus on healthcare. Is there anything else you'd like to add with regard to um, the size of companies or hospitals that you work with? Yeah, we've got, um, you know, healthcare was our, was our forte for a number of years. And, um, you know, I think through serendipity, we, we actually got into uh, uh, K through 12 uh, through a lot of the tax referendums. We knew that there was going to be a lot of building in the K through 12 space in central Illinois. And we were involved in a couple of larger projects and that really helped us through the COVID uh, pandemic. As you can imagine, you know, all the healthcare construction slowed down, almost came to a complete halt. You know, there was a couple of uh, you know, negative air projects and some things that we're, you know, that the healthcare industry was concerned about with their facilities that we could, uh, we could help, um, you know, create those rooms that were appropriate for the care that was being provided. But generally speaking, for about two years, healthcare construction pretty much shut down. So uh, we had really started thinking about what are those counter cyclical industries that we can participate in so that we can avoid the the big you know the, the wave is really nice when you're riding on top of it but boy when that wave crashes down um we had k through 12 to fall back on and it carried us through the the covid pandemic um the other industry that we're looking very closely at right now um you know we call it industrial work but really here in central illinois it's more about agricultural production you know, how they're processing the, the different uh, agricultural products that we have here. And so uh, the Decatur area has got a lot of investment in that agricultural production. And again, it's a nice counter cyclical industry that, you know, while one is up, we can stay in that space. And, you know, if that one starts to uh, hit its business cycle where it's starting to contract, um, you know, we've got another one that's starting to, uh, to, to increase. Um, or there's, uh, you know, some accelerating growth uh, in that space as well. So uh, we're thinking about our business uh, so that we can maintain, you know, more of a level um, revenue stream, you know, while we're continuing to scale the company. Right, right. Sounds like that's a really great strategy to be diversified, obviously, um, because things can change on a dime. You never know when you wake up in the morning and something is um, altered and you need to pivot and be really agile these days. So thank you for that part. Um, I want to go back into talking more about projects. Um, you mentioned to me when we talked months ago that you like to keep a laser focus on just so many projects at a time. You're not trying to be you know, all over the map with your staff, your teams, your construction workers out there in the field. Yeah, you just really have a talent for this, and I'm I'm interested in hearing more. Well, a couple of things, Shelley. To that point, in the, the construction industry, more contractors die of overeating than die of starvation. Um, and so, you, you know, it's kind of a mantra, and it's you know, if you if you chase too much, you really don't know or understand the risk that you're taking that you need to deliver on. And, um, you know, right now we're in a really unique position where there is a lot of demand um, and you've got a limited amount of supply, you know, especially we're a union shop. So uh, we rely on, you know, the trades in the unions here in central Illinois. And there's only a certain number of people that are in the unions uh, that can work on our projects. And so we really try to be selective about what work we're going to pursue. 
Um, if you want to think about, a, you know, there's a, a term or a concept, you know, what is the return on the resources that you're going to apply to that project? And, and one of the hardest things that a lot of construction companies uh, struggle with is saying no. And that's a that's one of the challenges where we have a lot of debate and dialogue about different opportunities of whether we're going to pursue it or not. Um, you know, just comparing what is the return on the resources that we're going to apply to that project um, so that we can, you know, basically have the highest and best use of the resources and get the return for the company um, of, of how we apply them. You know, clearly we've got some strategic relationships, some strategic accounts uh, that we rarely say no to. Um, you know, you want to continue to serve those, but you know, what do you do with that variable capacity and, and where do you put those resources? And that's one of the challenges that we, you know, we're, we're always thinking about, you know, people ask us, hey, here's an opportunity to bid a job and we'll assess it. And uh, a lot of times we'll, you know, politely decline and say, thanks for thinking of us. Uh, but uh, we don't have the capacity to perform, um, you know, and meet their standards or what their expectations are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, likewise, I think you were mentioning, you know, operationally, then when we do get on a project, you know, what are the things that that we continue to focus on? Um, and if you think about the the project triangle, there's there's three legs to it. Um, you know, you've got the the, the schedule, uh, the cost, uh, and then the quality or the scope. And, you know, the old joke was always, you know, there's three of them. You can only pick two. You know, so if you want to uh, increase the scope, then, you know, clearly the schedule and or the cost are going to change or increase. And what we're trying to do is work towards that that trifecta, if you will. Can we deliver on all three of those uh, for our customers? So uh, we, we we really focus on schedule certainty. Uh, we focus on cost certainty. And then we like to focus on quality and, and scope certainty. So we make sure that we are delivering on all three legs of that project triangle uh, for our clients. You know, we make those commitments to them uh, on the front end so they know what they can expect from us. Yeah, I really love that you have systems in place. It's not that, well, this is a business friend of mine from the community or from across, you know, the state of some, uh, you know, it, it's uh, not being judged that way. It's being judged by um, real data and you have a repeatable system that you can come back to when new requests are, are being brought to you. So I really congratulate you guys for doing that. Um, the other part that I am a little intrigued about is the, um, the MBE and the MBW and how that fits into your business model. I think we touched on that before. Um, sure. There's uh, just th those those acronyms that, that you're describing for those that aren't familiar with them. They're the Minority Business Enterprise um, and then the Minority uh, Workforce um, as far as the participation goes. And a lot of the public projects uh, will have um, either goals and they may not be a hard you know, hard and set goal that you have to achieve, but there's something that you want to strive for, and it's a participation by the workforce or the, or the enterprises um, that are there to to try to again, the rising to uh, rising tide floats all boats. Uh, so uh, we have developed um, a couple of things. We've got a mentor protege relationship um, with uh, a couple of different uh, minority contractors, minority business entities, um, and we work with them to you know basically share our experience and, and share some of our business practices so that they continue to grow and scale. 
Um, so we've got those relationships that we continue to work with them. And then we also have uh, established with uh, the public school systems here, the Minority Trades Network. And uh, it's a, a course, uh, and it was really interesting. The, the genesis of it was about three or four years ago where uh, the high school was just asking us to get involved. As we were doing a project for them, they said, hey, is there any way that you can help some of these uh, kids you know, with some direction uh, to give them some opportunities in, in the trades? And um, they had a, a group of kids that they had identified. They asked us to, to come in and try to show them you know, what some of the opportunities were. And uh, I think at the time it was a group of 14 um, young men and women. And what we did was we, we created uh, a course of study over the semester where we went and visited uh, each of the trades, the, the basically the unions, and uh, showed them what they did uh, for their living and you know what that work looked like from, you know, whether it was the masons, the electricians, iron workers, laborers, carpenters. Um, so, you know, we went through basically a week by week step through all the trades and then um, let them have the opportunity to say, hey, I'm interested in something like that. And uh, so then we would create opportunities for them to gain more experience and then uh, eventually um, that they would uh, apply as an apprentice because they had the exposure into this and then they got into the trades at, uh, at that point in time. Uh, that grew from a group of 14 people. Uh, the first uh, semester that we did it. And then I believe this most recent one, we have 60 participants um, from the high school that wanted to be involved and learn more about uh, getting access to the trades. And uh, they're great paying jobs and it's a career uh, focus. Uh, one of the things that we also include in that is uh, access to um, a financial uh, financial planning uh, for themselves to say that, hey, you're going to start getting a paycheck and here's you know some way to help you manage your money uh that you're gonna you know that you're gonna start to accumulate here you know over time so then it kind of gives them some direction on um you know establishing themselves and their reputation and um you know, we also provide some uh you know some basic leadership training inside of that as well and so we've had a number of folks that have entered into the trades uh, through our minority trades network uh, that we've established as well I think that's very impressive um, in today's business world. Um, people are looking for what you're doing in the community, what your causes are, what your charities are you're involved in. Um, for these younger people that are in the workforce, um, it's not the same as it was 20, 30 years ago. And it's just such a great contribution because um, being over 120 years old with your company, I mean, um, your company can keep sustaining for so many more decades by bringing up the next workforce that's going to be around for decades themselves. And just, I, I know I've heard that there were shortages also of people in these critical trades, you know, uh, people don't think about that from a day-to-day -day basis. So what's your comments on that? That is actually one of our uh, concerns. If, if you want to, um, you know, address it that way. If you do a, you know, a SWOT analysis on, you know, what are the threats? Um, you know, the the T part of SWOT. You know, the threat to the construction industry. Well, here in Illinois, uh, I believe we're ranked number forty nine out of fifty states uh, for population growth. 
Um, our population growth, our growth is negative at about 1% per year. So uh, people are leaving the state. Uh, obviously a concern when you're thinking about, you know, what is the, you know, what is the state going to generate, uh, you know, regarding uh, revenue for various things, you know, construction being one of them. Uh, the second concern we have is, you know, the, the baby boomers are starting to retire in numbers and uh, a lot of participants in the trades are in that uh, generation. And then for a number of years, you know, it was always in vogue to go to college and uh, the trades were somewhat looked down upon. And so we really didn't have, um, you know, the number of people entering into the trades to replace what, you know, the boomers that are retiring. Um, so, you know, we've got three things in Illinois that we're really concerned about. So, you know, what we're thinking about is how do we stimulate, um, you know, interest in the trades? They're, they're great jobs. They're professionals. Um, you know, they are uh, highly skilled. And, uh, you know, this was another way that we felt like we could at least generate some interest and have some people entering into the trades uh, to make the construction management or general contracting um, sustainable uh, as, a, as an industry here so that we could continue our work as well. Right, right. I think that's an excellent, excellent contribution. Very exciting. So um, as we're starting to wrap up, I have another question, Perry. If you were to train 50 chief strategy officers from around the globe tomorrow morning at 9 a.m., what would be like the three key elements that you would impress upon them? to help them be successful in their own organizations? You know, that's that's a great question, Shelley. Um, you know, I think the, the first thing is you really got to know the fundamentals of your industry. You know, what are the drivers, you know, as far as where are you in the business cycle? What are the things that you're dependent on? Um, I think there's a lot of, you know, the cause and effect. You know, if you think about what's happening with interest rates right now, um, you know, from a construction standpoint, Construction is typically the last into a recession, or the the, the last into a recession. Uh, unfortunately, we're the last out as well. You know, so we, you know, we're starting to watch this very closely. Um, you know, if you think about it right now, the financial industry is already in recession. You know, if you think about the housing market, it's likely contracting. You know, if not in a recession already. So where are you in the business cycle right now? And then what, you know, what are the, you know, what are the dependencies? So you know what's going to be happening. So you know what are some of the actions to take. So know the fundamentals of your industry. Um, be able to really define, clearly define what is the value proposition of your business and your company. And then um, the the third one uh, that I would that I would say is um, I have managed. Most of my career has been managed through austerity. And when I say that, when I was in the military, we were, we were going through the reduction in force, right? We were going through a lot of these things where we needed to try to do more with less. Um, when I was in healthcare, we had a lot of pressure on us because of, the, uh, because of Obamacare and the way reimbursement was looking. And you know, when you're managing through austerity, it is, it's relatively easy. You know, the, the answer is right in front of you, but it's really it's it's no fun to do, you know, because typically it's about cutting costs. It's about managing workforce. It's about, you know, asking people to, to, to take a strain for you. Um, here at O'Shea, I've been able to manage through prosperity. And um, I think it's a lot more difficult because you have so many more opportunities that you need to assess and say, OK, which one are we going to go after? Um, but boy, it's a lot more fun. <laughs> 
Yeah, I so, totally agree. I mean, you can come in with systems and look at cost reduction of all different types and systems and operations. However, you have to <laughs> compass the people that are doing all that hard work for you decade after decade and um, you know, look at it on a holistic viewpoint too, not just um, three different areas. So I think you're straight on on that. Yeah. So, I mean, just, so to summarize my, my third point though, is I would, you know, I would recommend focusing on opportunities, you know, meaning, Hey, w where can we make an investment? Where can we differentiate ourselves? Where can we grow um, that, you know, grow the company versus, you know, a lot of times you focus on your weaknesses. And, and I think if you focus on your opportunities, um, we, you know, we had a, we had an old saying that, uh, you, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, healthy operating margin uh, can cover a lot of uh, can cover a lot of operating sins. <laughs> you know, so if you can, you know, if you can if you can make some margin on that, you can uh, make up for some of your weaknesses um, without having to, you know, directly um, go after them too. But you know, there's a balance in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So as I'm wrapping up, I want to really thank you for coming on the program this morning. It's our first recording for strategic scaling. And I want to ask you, what do you think your biggest contribution has been to O'Shea Builders? Because you do have that incredible background that really came together for you uh, for the benefit of the company. Um, but what, what do you think? Um, that's a really good question, Shelley. I, uh, you know, I think almost any company that you, that you walk into, it's been operating, it's been functioning. There's a lot of great people here. Um, and, and they're smart and they're hardworking and they, uh, you know, they produce uh, the, you know, produce what they, you know, what they've been asked to do. I think um, my contribution here is trying to work on the whole and saying, hey, you know, yes, we're doing this specifically over here in this silo, but how is it contributing to somebody else's work? Um, you know, we, we've really started to think of each other as our own internal customers. You know the work that I do on a day-to-day -day basis, I get I hand it off to somebody else, right? So, so am I enabling my customer um, to do their work in in the best fashion that they can? You know, is there work that I'm doing that maybe isn't being delivered exactly how they want it? So we think of each other as teammates, and how uh, we're a customer of each other's work. You know, that ultimately ends up um, with you know construction being put in place. So um, I would think that. Um, if I would describe my contribution, it would be about um, connecting the organization, um, you know, to think about how we deliver as a whole. Right, right. And I think that's really what stood out when I talked to you months ago, that it wasn't just looking at growth of the company or, you know, increasing operational efficiencies. It really was that your company and yourself in that role really have your act together. <laughs> well, thank you. And uh, it's only through talking to so many business owners, um, especially ones that have challenges in delegating, because it's really hard to build a team of that many employees over that length of time without being able to let go uh, confidently and with excitement. So. I'm going to say thank you again and do a little wrap up here at Strategic Scaling. We provide the business scaling methods 
We offer three things, workshops for the executive level in-house. Uh, we do monthly masterminds, and we also have an incredible panel of coaches throughout the U.S. and worldwide. And thank you for listening. And we look forward to our next recording for the business scaling methods with strategic scaling. Thank you. Thank you, Shelley. Thank you, Harry. I appreciate your time so much. Thank you for listening. Please be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast player and leave us a rating and review. If you have any questions, connect with us at strategicscaling.net.